Welcome to worship at First United Methodist Church. It's a joy to see all of you gathered here today and know that many more of you are worshiping online. If you could take a moment and register your attendance in the pew pad and place it in the offering plate later in the service, we would appreciate that. And also, if you are joining us online, if you would leave a comment, we would appreciate that as well. As you came in today, I hope you picked up a calendar sheet and on it, you will see the events for this week, including uh, pickleball is available in the gym from 2 to 4 each Monday. Come and join the fun uh, as a part of that. And also, you will see that there are several meetings this week. Uh, make note of the times and places for those. Now, let us prepare ourselves for worship. Holy Father, you are our shield. You are our glory. You are the one who restores us. Be among us this day and renew us in your love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
so much bigger than troubles I face. Why would I hunger for power, riches, or fame? My God is so much bigger than all of these things. But I won't be be seated. 
uh, just a word of, of praise uh, from the praise band. I would like to welcome uh, Jacob Gilbert is playing for us today. He's filling in for Joe. Joe's not gone. He's just dealing with some family issues and I ask your prayer for him and his family and we welcome Jacob uh, with us. Also for prayer requests, another praise and prayer request, we celebrate the birth of Jane Catherine Sohor. Uh, proud parents are Sally and Roman Sohor. Grandparents Lynn and Janet Page. And you see the rosebud placed before you. We also keep the family of Rodney Thompson in our thoughts and prayers in their time of grief. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look to you today, we remember words from Scripture that Jesus spoke. For what is impossible with man is possible with God. And we look to your possibilities today. Your possibilities of eternal life, of healing, of hope, of, of new beginnings, of restoration. God, your word reminds us that you are making all things new. And we look to you in our lives to renew us, to guide us, to forgive us. Bless not only us, but this church, our community, and our world. And bless the offering that we're about to receive. Whether we receive it in person, online, recurring gifts, or Venmo, we give thanks for all those investing in the ministry of this church so that your love and grace be known. Bless these gifts, guide us in their use, and multiply them, all for your glory and for the coming of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If the ushers will come forward, we will worship God with our morning offering. And children, you are dismissed to Children's Church with Miss Catherine.
Today, we look at Christ and the rich young ruler. It is one of the two large windows in the sanctuary installed in 1936. The window was given in memory of Charles Seedberry Ward. Charles Ward was known as a steadfast and generous contributor to this church and to various causes, especially missions in the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church. He was a successful businessman involved with banking, real estate, and hardware. He was a leader in civic projects, especially with his church and community improvement. He married Maud Line, who donated the window in her husband's memory. The wards had no children, but inspired and invested in the children of this congregation. Maud taught Sunday school for many years, and she loved children and took special care in decorating the classrooms for the children of this church. After her death, she married P.R. Pegram and continued to faithfully serve. In addition to her service here, she was president of the first Gadsden Beautification Club and the first president of the Women's Club of Gadsden. The window portrays Jesus having a conversation with a man. The man is dressed in fine clothes, especially when compared to Jesus. The color is red, which would be a symbol or sign of his wealth. And now to the scripture which inspired the window. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 17 through 27. Mark 10, 17 through 27. Hear the good news. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God, for all things for God, all things are possible. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we look to this story from Scripture and look to this window for a word for our lives, I pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
Three of the four Gospels contain the story of the rich young ruler. Only Luke specifically names him as the rich young ruler. Now, scholars believe that this man was a ruler in the synagogue rather than a ruler in Rome. And this is because the questions Jesus asked him and the quizzing of the Ten Commandments. Hold on to that because that's going to be important to this story later. So the man comes up to Jesus and says, What must I do to inherit eternal life, teacher? I'm on up. Ah, there we go. Okay. Then, so Jesus says, No one is good but the Father. And he uh, continues and he asks him about the Ten Commandments. So he puts in the commandments of living in community no adultery, no murder, no theft, no lies, honoring parents. And the rich young ruler says, I've kept all these laws since my youth. I, I've done it all. And then Jesus says, one thing is required. Go sell all you own and come and follow me. Now this greatly saddens the rich young ruler. When Jesus lists those commands, he's listing commands five through nine of the Ten Commandments. And what he doesn't list is the last one. You shall not covet. So when Jesus saying to him, go sell all you own, he's basically saying, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Because apparently this man loves what he owns, so much so that he can't let go of it to follow Jesus. So the reality here is probably not so much money, but the issue holding the man back is his self-righteousness. He believes that he's done what is needed, and then he realizes, maybe I haven't done what is needed. Maybe I've not been successful in keeping the Ten Commandments. The rich run ruler thinks he has done right, only to realize that he has failed in one area. Because of this young man's willingness not to let go of what he owns, he is coveting and therefore has not kept the law. Jesus, with a few short words, undermines this man's self-righteousness, claim that he has held on to the law since his youth. And the ruler begins to question his efforts. Have I done what I need to do to inherit eternal life? How does one really inherit eternal life? Not by keeping the law, but believing in God who can do what mortals can't do. Believe in God who can do what is impossible for mortals. Jesus is reminding him, don't put your trust in the law, but rather put your trust in God. Don't put your trust in your own efforts, but put your trust in the Lord who works on our behalf. I love this nuanced interpretation because I had always thought that this story was about money. That it meant if you gave away everything you owned, 
then you are a great Christian. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that giving to the poor is good works, and it is a wonderful act of, of piety, a wonderful act of generosity. However, this story is not so much about money evil and poverty good, but it's about our reliance. Do we completely trust in the Lord? Jesus is not telling the rich young ruler that money is bad. Rather, he is telling him that you can't make it there by yourself. You're never going to be good enough to keep all these rules and earn your way into heaven. Earning your way into heaven would be as simple as a camel going through the eye of a needle. What is impossible with man is possible with God. You listen to this story and you wonder that who can be saved. Jesus uses this example of a camel going through an eye of a needle to talk about the possibility of salvation by human efforts. This is hyperbole at its best. Of course we know that a camel can't go through the eye of a needle. That's silly. Anyone would tell you that is totally impossible. It would take a miracle for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And there you have it. It's a miracle. The work of God is a miracle. For someone to be saved, it is a gift from God. It is pure grace. It is not something we deserve or we earn or we get by keeping all the commandments and rules. It is by Jesus Christ. It is an act of God. Well then, who can be saved? You can be saved. Ephesians 2.8.9 reads, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can, be, can boast. This is available to all. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a rich young ruler or a, a poor old nobody. It doesn't matter where you're from, your background, how well you kept the rules. It is a gift from God, God's grace in our lives. Romans 10, 11, 12 tells us, the scripture says that no one who has faith will be disappointed, no matter if that person is a Jew or Gentile. There is only one Lord and he is generous to everyone who asks for help. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So there you have it. There you have this gift from God, the wonderful grace of God. I believe in the saving grace of Jesus. I was a young teenager when I accepted that grace in my life, and I remember vividly when I came to the front of the church and was baptized and joined the church and made that profession of faith in my life. And up there in front of the congregation, I answered a question that many of you have answered before. It's from our liturgy in the Methodist Church. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and put your whole trust in his grace? Now, do I believe answering that question in an affirmative way in front of the congregation that Sunday saved me? Absolutely not. It was Jesus Christ who saved me. And I, did I completely understand what I was answering when I answered that question? Absolutely not. I'm still trying to figure it out. And by God's grace, Jesus is still working in my life. Jesus saved me and he will save me. 
and he is still making me more like him. I trust that there is nothing I can do to earn that grace. I cannot earn it, but Jesus has done for me. So I'm trusting every day. And you're asking, how do I trust more? How do I get that kind of trust in my life? Well, I could make you a checklist of how to trust Jesus. But you know what? If I made you a checklist, it would be sherry-made and man-made and not of God. It's a, a weird predicament. It's an odd place to be. And it's hard to understand at times. The best way I can explain it or the best way I've seen it done is look at our friends who are in recovery. The first step of being in recovery is to acknowledge that addiction has a hold of you and your life has become uncontrollable. You can't do it by yourself. So the first step is to acknowledge you can't handle it by yourself. And the second step is to, to acknowledge that you have a higher power than yourself and you give it to your higher power. And that's kind of what I think it, think it is. We acknowledge we can't do it by ourselves and we need Jesus. And Jesus as our higher power makes a way when we cannot manage our lives. And this is an important message for all of us because the reality is there is a rich young ruler in every single one of us. We all could find our image in that window. We may not have a bold question like the rich young ruler. We may be asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But there is something, the something that keeps us from living the fullness of Jesus. There is something that keeps us in bondage. Many of you identify with the rich young ruler because your stuff gets in the way of trusting Jesus. We trust in the security of storing up things on earth rather than Jesus. The scripture reading for today is not the only place that Jesus talks about possessions and money. In the Gospel of Luke, during Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, he says, Go, sell all your possessions, and give alms to store up your treasures in heaven, rather than a place where they may be destroyed by the elements or taken by a thief. In Luke 14.33, Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship, saying that in order to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to give up your possessions. So maybe Jesus is serious about this money business, or maybe he's just that serious about the salvation business. Maybe he knew that for generations to come, money and stuff would get in our way of our relationship with him. But there's more than just money and stuff. Any of those laws which were mentioned in the scripture today can be a barrier to our relationship. Pride and relationships and uh, honesty and integrity. And I could go on and on. The list of things that can be a barrier to our fully trusting Jesus and following him is long and great in expanding. Now back to the money thing. If you pull out your money, you will find that on our bills is in God we trust. But do we really? Do we really trust God? We're not going to earn our way. We're not going to buy our way. We're not going to find our way by ourselves. 
For us to find our way into eternal life by our efforts and our merits, it would be as crazy as a camel going through the eye of a needle. But that is not the good news. The good news for us today is that what is impossible with man is possible with God. In researching this sermon, I came across a commentary that said what Jesus was talking about in this example of the camel and the needle was actually about a gate in Jerusalem. Uh, one of the commentators said that there was something called a needle gate in, in Jerusalem. And in order for a camel to get through it, it would have to lighten its load, take off its pack, and kneel down. This was a gate which was very small and narrow and open at night when the other gates in Jerusalem were closed. I thought, that is a perfect illustration. What a great illustration for this scripture. So I started doing more research on it, and I found out that there is no archaeological evidence of a needle gate in Jerusalem, that it was likely a made-up illustration. And as I started studying that and working on that and looking at that, I thought, you know, that isn't a great illustration after all. Because if it's us that has to humble ourselves and take off our load, then if we think we've humbled ourselves, isn't that pride? And then we're back to where we started. Gosh, this is a, a difficult journey. And maybe that's why the rich young ruler walked away sad. Then again, maybe it's not such a difficult journey. Maybe we just need to trust God and look to God and realize that we need Jesus. When we can't, Jesus can. It's not about what we can do, but realizing that Jesus can do for us. Now, one other thought I've had about this window. I find it very interesting that it was given in memory of a man who was obviously rich. I mean, you heard the biography. It said he was successful in real estate and banking and hardware. That means he was wealthy. And in 1936, just after the Depression, I imagine his wife had to have a few dollars to give a window like that in memory of him. But in his biography, it says not only was he rich, but he was very generous. He gave to his community. He gave to missions. And so did his wife. So you have to think that they had generous hearts toward others. And I wonder, did she pick the window image? Was the, did she pick the scripture or did someone else pick it? I would hope that, that she picked it. Because maybe it meant that they knew the secret. They knew the secret that the rich young ruler did not, Maud and Charles. Perhaps they found out the secret that what is impossible with mortals is possible with God. And maybe, my prayer, maybe, just maybe, we will all know that secret too. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we trust you. You are our Lord. And we thank you for your work and witness in our lives. Help us look to you, realizing that when we can't, you can.
eternal life and salvation comes through you. Not by our own efforts or works, but through the love of God in Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.
prayer need in your life or would like to unite with First United Methodist Church either by transfer of membership or profession of faith, I'll be available after the service to pray with you. Uh, just see me after the service. Also, you will not want to miss next week. First of all, we're starting March Madness which is a bracket laden hymn off, I guess, or music off for our favorite praise hymns and praise songs and traditional hymns to find out what the favorite song of First United Methodist Church will be. So come out and vote. These were nominated by the praise band, staff, and choir. You have to be present to participate. And you also won't want to miss next week because our next window is Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, which can be found in the Acolyte Room just off the narthex. And now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.